0: Welcome to episode five of Host at Home. So, Ed, what do we expect in this episode?
1: Um, First of all, a big topic of conversation. We'll be speaking about the commencement of our eight-bed HMO conversion. Um, Loads of learning there, so I'm really excited to just, you know, splurge on about that, to be fair enough.
0: We are going to talk about one of our HMOs, and we had a meeting with the council there, and what happened with that?
1: Yep, I think we need to touch on the fact that I had one of my first—well, I had my first mentorship meeting with uh, Mark Winship, an absolute beast in the apartment hotel strategy space.
0: And then, as per, we've got our best of the week, best of the week, and our topic of the week this week is Rent SA contracts. Hey, I am Laura,
1: and this is Ed. Give us a ring if you're looking for a bed. I started putting properties on Airbnb, and now I've left my job because I'm earning bear pee.
0: Location, location, I see E and C. Started with none, now we got 50. Pick up the keys, and off we go. After we set up, looks like a grand design show. If
1: you're looking to become a property master, then give us a like and download the podcaster.
0: Let's look at this four bed. Can we make it a six? Call up the broker, get our DIP fixed.
1: We're scaling up quick. Our portfolio, SA units, and now HMOs.
0: You won't get planted. Yeah, that's what they said. We are your hosts, Laurie Dad. <laughs> <Woo>, yeah, nice. <laughs> so... We have had a super exciting and busy week, haven't we, this week?
1: Yeah, I feel like we probably always start off with I know, that because I know we do. because I mean I don't feel like we're just saying it either. I'm not sure if that is actually true, but we do always have super busy and exciting weeks. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's been sad because you haven't been with me all week, but exciting because you have been in Somerset because the work on our HMO has started.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really good topic of conversation, a good starting point because I think the whole reason why I'm not here, uh you know it's just interesting because our actual agreement with our contractors is very not unconventional or non-conventional. I'm not sure what the word is, but it's certainly certainly not conventional in the sense of what I've asked for. Um and I've really stressed the point that I wanna be on site and with them, not because I wanna keep an eye on them and be be on their case, be on their toes, but because um i really want to learn about these the technicalities around these refurbs you know i really want to understand the process therefore because we're in this to stay right we're here for the long term i want to understand the little bits the nuances in terms of what goes on so i can therefore have a better project approach manage. yeah i can therefore project manage moving forward uh, a lot better if i understand the concepts and and the details so I've asked that from them, they're very happy, I'm essentially, I've asked them to just treat me as their labourer basically, um, so I can really get an understanding of, 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 of all the little details and nuances like I just said, so I'll be there from Monday to Thursday ideally, depending on what we've got, in, what we've got on in the week, um, there are occasions where I need to be elsewhere, um, but that's the arrangement we've got, is for me to try and be there from Monday to Thursday um, for the weeks leading up to Christmas, and potentially beyond, depending on how long the project takes, but I'm excited. It is sad that I'm away from law. Yeah, and but not I'm me.
0: jealous, because like, that's <laughs> my bag. Like, I don't want to be doing anything based on a computer that's at a desk. I want to be bashing down a wall, and you're sending me pictures, and I'm like... Damn it! And I remember saying to you when I met you, I was like, "I'm going to do a bricklaying course and I'll become a builder for you." <laughs> so I'm very jealous because I want to be doing that. Yeah. But anyway, so give us a bit of a download. Like you've obviously had a week doing the house. What's been going on? What have you do? What have you been doing? What movement have we had?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, because we've been waiting so long to go through the planning process and then have our building regs um, application approved, we thought it'd be a good idea to go down and strip or rip out ourselves, didn't we? So mm-hmm. we thought we'd done a really good job of putting it back to minimise the time of when the point the contractors go in, they can commence works truly.
0: I just um, want to say we stripped the entire house. I wish we had a podcast and We stripped wallpaper and the entire house, and it was like the hottest week of the year, wasn't it? And we were steaming it off the walls, sweating our little... <laughs> So what did
1: you say? Chebs and nuts Chebs <laughs> <Heads. off>. <laughs> and nuts I'm not even joking how to say that. Wow, well, okay, yeah, right. Um, yeah, we were and it's a big house, right? So there's a lot of volume of paper to come off but that's what I'm saying is really funny and we even knocked out that w- knocked out the wall hmm. to read, yeah, to, um, to create that doorway but I think we've still gone in and spent the first couple of days doing a, a more extensive and further rip out but the rip out consisted of like exposing walls and pulling off plaster that I, I don't think we knew that was mm. needing to be yeah. done at that point because um, because of the, of the fact that we've gone through Sue Generous because we're not it's an eight bed HMO the building regs are like crazy different crazy different the requirement to soundproof and fireproof is you know just it's been a real interesting learning curve for me because Going from a six bed under PD, you know, from C3 to a six bed HMO is relatively very straightforward in comparison to jumping up to a seven or eight bed, Sue Generous, or above that. Um, you know, the need the need and requirements for the, for the new building regs is, is a drastic change, and we didn't expect that, so we're having to make super changes that we didn't anticipate, to be fair.
0: No, definitely, but it's- it's super interesting, but we had some really good news um, because we found out that from doing the strip out, we've we've got a bit of cost saving, haven't we? Um, with the fireproofing and soundproofing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's not really from doing the strip out. It at the point where I had to start ordering the materials. Um, in you know it, more specifically relating to the fireproofing, there was the architect had designed up this. Uh, I think the use. I think the material was um, intudeck fire therm material. And when I ordered the square footage that we needed, it came to literally like 12 grand. And so the system that he had proposed uh, was super expensive. So I immediately thought that there's got to be a better way to do this because there's no way people are normally paying this just for that specific element of fireproofing through the ceilings. Um, So I did a little bit of a look little bit of a calculation didn't take me too long, but this is what's really interesting and also almost frustrating how can I being naturally inquisitive but also super inexperienced and in going through this for the first time be putting proposals to my architect who I'm paying a lot of money for that are more beneficial and efficient and a better outcome in terms of meeting the red regs or exceeding the regs but saving 12 fifteen grand and for me that's really annoying and the same thing happened with with the soundproofing system or exercise you know I realized that there's quite a lot of money being spent on that particular system that was proposed uh, and did a little bit of googling and proposed a new system I actually had to reach out to an acoustic engineer and have some um, acoustic like an acoustic test which is not a physical tests where they come out it's a desktop survey where they put in the proposed setup materials and then run a computerized test and then they give you like a factor of safety in terms of give or take three accuracy of decibels i don't know it's quite technical but um all super interesting and really cool to learn about but the point is i was putting proposals to my architect after he had set things out to us that ended up saving us like 15 grand which is great, but also concerning because I feel like that's their job.
0: Yeah, well, you know? we've learned. though, just do your research. I mean, you know, everything we do, just do your own back research yeah. right first. It's so tough to just take someone's word. Of
1: course, but you know, from doing the research as well, there's there's like more than a hundred ways to skin that cat. There's so many systems, so many different ways to um, set up a particular a particular system and element. Um, but yeah, we've we've come to a really efficient way. And I'm glad because we have saved money. It's just concerning that I'm coming up with these ideas where, you know, it's the first time I'm doing it, I suppose. But yeah, still definitely good. Really happy with it. And it makes me feel good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So another big thing, sorry, you started was a drainage.
1: Yeah, again, again, again. I'd really love to convey just how, for me, fascinating and exciting it is because I think the complexity is, or... The reason that makes it so exciting is because, again, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So everyone comes up with different ideas of how what the best way to do it is. But if you come up with the most efficient and effective idea, you're saving money and you're therefore, I guess, beating your competitors in a way. Um, so we're, in this instance, going straight through into the chimney stack. So we're having eight bathrooms, guys, but we're installing in particular up the spine of the property, six en-suites that are back-to-back. So back-to-back en-suites across three levels. And what we're doing is going straight into the chimney stacks that are right next to the en-suites as well. So no need to box out any sort of drainage or soil stacks. Utilising the chimney stack that goes from top to bottom, obviously, throughout the core of the house to vent and extract up to the top. And then also... um, take that waste through the soil pod, soil pipes straight down um, and underneath the floorboards of the house they will then uh, tee into each other and one pipe will go off to the side of the house core through the side and into the already um, in place current drainage system and those of you who i mean again this is me just going through it for the first time but f- it's super sexy like anyone who's experienced will just know and appreciate this but anyone who's not needs to be super aware of the costs involved um, and I feel like I want to say maybe the bulk of the cost depends on what you can do with these kind of arrangements and every house will be different uh, you might have to travel your drainage might have to travel quite away which can be really cost incurring depending on what you need to do basically, but for me, being aware of this stuff and learning about this stuff is super fascinating, and then to also be really pleased that we've come up with an effective strategy is also just as fascinating and exciting and uh, I really love it, I really love it, and I'm really happy with the uh, the efficiency and effectiveness of the of the outcome we've we've derived to
0: I think your drainage is sexy too yay. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so while we were down there, loads of stuff, extra, Ed always crams as much as he possibly can in. Um, so you met with the council at one of your HMOs, didn't you? So why did you do that?
1: Yeah, so we, we touched on this a few weeks ago. Um, for all our loyal fan base out there, they'll know that we had a... Well, you know what? They still haven't moved in, actually. Um, we recently um, converted a HMO or a property into a HMO uh, we therefore had it tenanted and it's, it's still really weird because we've got a contract signed in in place from the start of this month but they've not moved in because their company missed the payment run therefore they haven't paid so our agency hasn't released the keys so they've not moved in but it's tenanted which might sound a bit bizarre but it is the case or well, at least there's a live contract in place Um, But from the point in which we did convert it to a HMO and obtained the correct licensing um, in this particular area, the local council liked to go out and just do a once-over check on the property. Um, However, they were so busy that they said it needs to be in four months from now. Um, Now, within that four-month window, we obviously got it tenanted, although they haven't moved in. Um, So this was just them coming to do their once-over, their check, after they've um, uh, dispersed or distributed the license to us. So they just came to do a once over and a check and it's it's as simple as that. They come over, give it a look over, make sure you've got the right notices up and and on show. They uh, spend a lot of time checking the doors, making sure they self-close from... I have no idea what the actual regs or licensing uh, clause stipulates but they end up pulling it open just marginally so, like, maybe five inches, and then seeing if it actually self-closes, which is what it should do in order for fire protection. Um, just some little checks like that. Uh, I guess just them doing their due diligence on, one, the yeah. property, and maybe the, the licence holder as well, because they do ask to meet us there. So.
0: But good for us to meet the council, get to know them, especially as we're smashing out more in that area, isn't it? So nice to yeah. face-to-face, meet and build a relationship.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that... My relationship with the people that I met is, is, is already there because this is not the f- definitely not the first time that I've met them. I've met them quite a lot of times now, so it was, it's always nice to see them, nice to speak to them, give them, give them a little heads up on <laughs> North Street as well. And, um, you know, she said, look, I'd, I'd love to come over and just take a look even at this phase, which is good to have them on board. Um, yeah, so happy there.
0: And then he flew home and flew straight back out again. Because your next interest, or, or the next thing we're looking at, is something called Apart Hotels. So you had your first um, meeting with the legend, Mark, um, who's your new mentor, isn't he? Mm.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Apart Hotels, something really super sexy, super sexy. And for us, given our experience and what we're used to, you know, um that they come hand in hand with with the sa space service accommodation we're used to running and i just i just want to touch on why apart hotels are such a beautiful and attractive strategy and um so on the back end you can almost depend on the size of your apart hotel i guess so we've got units all over the country that are obviously doing extremely well and have changed our lives and everyone knows that um we're making substantial cash flow um at least definitely in the summer (laughs) brace for the winter and we'll see what happens but um they offer that they offer that that cash flow for us now the real sexy thing about apart hotels is you can really consolidate geographically and from a system perspective maybe 20 units depending on the size of that hotel into one space so you can benefit from the cash flow of say say 10 to 20 units from one space one team really more efficient and slimlined uh, process and still have that magnitude of cash flow coming in. So their cash flow just as good and you can really centralize the operation. So that's really attractive. Um, and then moreover, perhaps more importantly, you can do like a, before that exit, you can do like a BRRR approach. So you can either buy a rundown guest house, um, refurb it utilize the auxiliary space which is not being utilized for more bedrooms and increase the revenue and therefore increase the value of that property substantially so you can do a b r r where you make money within the renovation process and then retain the asset and make sub- and make substantial cash flow from operating it um so this this strategy for me is like any other strategy on freaking steroids it is it, 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 it's crazy it is a crazy stat- strategy if executed right and correctly um, and therefore makes it really attractive i am really excited about this um, it propels us into the next phase the next journey of what we need to do um, really challenging and also much more intensive in terms of the funds it requires, but you know we're looking to work with private investors, aren't we? Mm-hmm. To raise these funds, and then there's other there's other things that like development finance, which we're just learning about day by day. So, yeah, man. Apart hotels are the one. Mark Winship is an absolute beast. He's done some crazy deals on on with regards to this particular strategy. So I'm really comfortable. Really happy with. You know, being mentored by him to be fair, and I can openly and confidently say that he's um he's a really cool guy. Yay. Shout
0: out Mark and Caroline.
1: Shout out Mark and Caroline. <laughs> and they've got a mint podcast as well, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they have,
0: they have. So go and give um, them a
1: listen. Yeah, so all credit to them. A lot of inspiration for us for this, although we were thinking about it at the same time and looking to do a YouTube YouTube thing which we've touched on, which is probably more more work for us. So we've we ended up trying to shoot a podcast out, but they have they've been real inspirational for us in terms of how we run this podcast so that's the ser- what's their podcast called oh my god
0: um po- uh, secret service secret secret
1: the secret service podcast. podcast yeah mark and caroline winship beasts you should <laughs> give that a listen guys
0: okay it's so the most exciting thing of your week
1: stop saying my week it's our week
0: i know but this is the exciting for you what's your best of the week
1: okay 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 (laughs) okay. yeah my best of the week so we're doing best of the week best of the week and topic of the week now guys if that wasn't clear enough but my best of the week is that Laura has handed in a notice at work um which I'm really happy about but it's also a fantastic topic of conversation because um it's real topical point for us and we touch on it, we don't just touch on it, but we talk about it in that way because um, I guess it's a real pivotal point for us.
0: Yeah, massive.
1: But also you...
0: Well, it's a commitment for everything, isn't it? Like, it's a commitment for you to employ someone, for you to share it. It's a commitment because we're in a relationship and mm. it's going to mean different things for us and it different strains on us. But I can't wait because I feel like we do pretty much... It's so frustrating for me to listen to what you're doing and not being able to help because I'm just helping with what I can and interjecting with what I do know and what I can help, which is pretty basic. With trying to have a full-time job and just keep us alive as well. So, like, I actually cannot wait. And there's, we sit and we talk for hours, don't we, about ideas and things we want to do and things we could do to make stuff tighter and better and improve just so much. So, like... It's really exciting. Yeah. And it's going to be... I don't think... I don't want to big myself up. I don't think you realise how much I'm going to help you. Not because it's me. Because, like, you've done everything on your own. And I guess there is that thing of you, you're you never going to trust someone in your own business as much as, like, your family and stuff are. Oh, you to run it how you are. But I think it's going to be... And I can't wait to take so much pressure and work off you for you to be able to just do the things you're really good at. So thinking of deals, finding deals, all the management, setting up new businesses, like your brain can just do that and focus on that.
1: Yeah, and I know we've touched on this, we need not deliberate it over a over podcast, but it's not that I don't trust you at all, it's that the biggest barrier and the fence that was up for me is the end goal is to remove myself and you right although you weren't I never want I never wanted you in the business because my end goal is to have us both out to have the business operating by itself and to have us live in a life that we can do whatever we want um, but recently I've come to the conclusion quite quickly that I don't think that will ever be the case and certainly not in the near term future so as much as you've always been devoted and really wanting to help out with the business and you do do but on a larger capacity and you absolutely have the skill set and the mindset and the devotion to to run with it and I know you'd be an incredible asset you know I know that and that's part of the reason why I love you because of who you are and you know how amazing not you would be but how much of an amazing person you are so I know you'd be mint at helping me with the business but the overarching objective for me is to have us both out of the business, right? So I, I, I let that become a blocker and really prevented me from getting you two involved in the business because for me the aim was to have us both out. But since um, recently, I've probably really been struggling with the capacity that I've got going on. It's not something I talk about, but most people who run the amount of units that we do at our size, people that we've met. Um, actually have like a full-on team and structure of staff. And we've got more stuff going on than just our our own essays. You know, we've got a management company. We're plowing a lot of time into BRR developments and investments. So it really has become pretty crazy and quite challenging. And I would now absolutely welcome your skill set and help because I've just since... Thought that we're not anywhere near being able to give up and just employ someone to run our business business passively, you know we're nowhere near that. We've still got a lot of growth, still a lot of development, and we can just go, we can just go absolute ham together, which I'm really excited about. Um,
0: and when we do give the business up, can I do my bricklaying course and become a builder for you?
1: Yes, Laurie, do whatever you want. Yay! <laughs>
0: and I want a digger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but our skill sets go hand in hand yeah. and, and Mark really opened this up for me You know, it's, um, it's not something I didn't know but sometimes having someone say it and relay it is, is really refreshing um, you're super hands on you are super I mean your creative skill set from, from a media point of view you, you can just offer so many pillars of strength to the business and I pick up where you don't want to and you pick up where I don't want to I don't want to be hands on you want to be hands on I prefer to be analytical and more of a management and an overarching perspective in terms of where we're at and where we're headed and make those kind of pivotal decisions. You prefer just to be hands-on and implement them. So, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of defining our roles, responsibilities, and I'm sure it'll have our challenges in terms of where we sit and who takes care of what. But overall, I'm so confident in terms of what we can do and what we will do and what we achieve. It's just mint and exciting and it is a natural progression, but it's also, I'm just really happy. I'm really happy that I'm fine and content with the fact that you've handed in your notice, which is a weird thing to say, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am. It's cool. What's and my
0: What's my job title gonna be? Uh. P. A. I
1: don't know. Toad James.
0: C O Warrelowe.
1: No, I don't know. I don't know. We'll tell well, you next one, week. One Hang one. on. One thing that's really cool, though, is we're really upset about having to hand in your notice, though, aren't you? Because you really got on with the owners of the business you're at, like on a personal level, um, and you've not been there long. So we're really worried about how that looks and the implications that might have. And they've since come back and said, "Um, look, we'd be really sad to see you leave. So maybe we look at going part-time and seeing what that would like to give us some security and also help them out.
0: Yeah, they won't let me hand my notice in. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed <laughs> so
0: we're going to try a bit of a hybrid aren't we for a yeah. while which is good yeah. anyway let's move on because we can talk about that loads but mm. our pest of the week um, I've chosen this one this week a bit different you're I not, forgot not a pest. I'll, I'll, I can do it I've you, got this one you
1: run with it like. i
0: got it um, so not I, it's just something common and I thought it'd be useful to touch on because if you're looking at doing essays and stuff like this is things you'll come across and it's just how your your approach and just being quite open to stuff i guess so one of our st ives properties um they obviously are not as popular in the winter when the winter months hit and then they obviously absolutely smash it in the summer and we had a booking come through and it was for november yeah sorry an inquiry from november to january um a nice lady with some children who said she was moving house but it wasn't going to be ready and they're looking for some accommodation and they were inquiring so I got super excited because I'm like, yes, really good money, great month to be able to occupy the house. Um, I'm like messaging Ed saying, follow it up, get get followed up, ring him, ring, em, ring em. And ring him. Um, and Naya, bless the VA, was, and I was watching it come through my phone, her emailing, ringing, chasing up. And we've just heard nothing back. And, and I, we were talking about it in the car yesterday. And I, and I was like, I was so excited about it. And Ed was like, that's just so common, like, to have stuff like that. And then I was like, it's probably really important to address things like that do come through and I could see like if I was somebody new to that and that happened I'd have literally been like blocking it out getting rid of it having a party opening champagne going oh yeah I've got a three-month booking um but I don't know she might come back to us and go through for the booking which would be amazing but it's just being level-headed isn't it and never relying on anything and being like I'll just continue with continue with it if she comes through great if she doesn't
1: yeah no it, it, it is such a fantastic point law and I'm so glad you raised it Because I could talk about it, and we need to talk about it, we do need to address it, how, right, the Airbnb notifications for me when I first set up, (laughs) I swear to God, I've never had a feeling like it. I think
0: you're so excited, every booking. It's got its
1: own noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left, you know, so I always have my my phone on silent, but no, as soon as I downloaded Airbnb, I had the flipping, my phone was never on silent, and the notification that comes through, it did like a money sound. I was so addicted, I couldn't believe it how any time that notification came through, the feeling of endorphins just flowing through my veins was unreal. I was so excited. But a lot of those, I used to have the same feeling with the inquiries that came through. And nowadays, it's very normal. And thankfully, I don't get as excited all my hopes up. But we have inquiries that come through for like, I'm honestly, no joke, like 50 grand. You know, if we have, uh, if we have like real long booking inquiries that come through, You'll see on your phone, it comes up like 58 grand inquiry. And when you first start out, it's very easy to lose your marbles at that and think, oh my God, start panicking, start this. And not relying on it, but really getting your hopes up at the prospect of it coming in. But what these people and companies do is they'll just market sweep the the market, putting these long-term inquiries in just to get feelers out there and just to get information back and the conversion rate is actually quite low um, so yeah I don't get excited when these inquiries come through, it's good to have them obviously and we do follow and chase them up again obviously but I could see it in you you you, you almost thought like why would they inquire without intent and people's interpretation are well if they're inquiring they're likely going to book well that's not the case so when you're first starting up Um, Not to burst any bubble at all, but just have a realistic realistic expectation that people do just inquire and don't follow through. So if you see these miraculous bookings that are going to change your life, um, it looks crazy when you see it on a drop-down notification. Just don't lose your head, because it's quite easy to do that.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm positive. I hope next week i come back and go, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, moving on, so our topic of the week is rent-to-SA contracts. So a follow-up from last week, so we were obviously talking about you've gone out, how to find your deal, you've got your deal, um, You've and then your next step, really, is is what you're putting in place, your, your contracts for that. Um, so, Ed, do you want to give a bit of an overview of, of this?
1: Um, yeah, sure. So I guess your contracts are typically derived on... Um, Who you obtain your deal from so first of all What you should be doing is if you're direct to vendor um, the type of contract that you need to be um, Utilizing is either a commercial lease or a management contract Um, one thing you should not be doing is operating on a standard AST contract and that is strictly forbidden, guys. That'll be nil and void. You cannot do that. Um, and it all comes down to tenants' rights, essentially. Um, and you just can't do an AST as a company operating a rent to rent. It needs to be either a management agreement or a commercial lease. One thing to note if you're going through agents is that, in my experience, they will always want to utilize their own contracts so they're in control and they will always term it and frame it as a company let agreement so if you're having that conversation with an agent um, they will term it and they will know it as a company let agreement um, how you want to coin it and frame it to a landlord is up to you but you need to know that the, the, the contract that you will use is either a management agreement or a, um, a commercial lease
0: cool so when what kind of duration would you be looking at on your contract how long
1: yeah. So okay, nice. again, great question. Um, typically, and almost industry standard is three to five years. Most of our contracts are actually three years. Um, but where we've just been setting out with um, a particular agent. So I mean, I'm referring to my first ever deal, actually, um, in order to offer that landlord a bit of added security, they wanted they would only they're only happy to do it for a year. And thinking about it now, maybe it's because they see a bit of an opportunity to constantly charge for renewals every mm. year, which they have done and they do do. So with this agent in place, I actually just run it for 12 months. Um, um, I've seen that be a deal breaker for some people. Um, but for me, it wasn't. Uh, I don't think anyone would, would lend. Lend? <laughs> I don't think anyone would uh, enter into a contract with you with the intention to exit it. Um then more so, so if you deliver on what you promise you're going to deliver, IE paying the rent, looking after the property, if they say they're in it to extend it, then they will do also at that point in time, even when it for 12 months was fine for me because it was a very low entry property in terms of the capital required to, um, stage it, fit it out and the rent deposit. Um, so it made perfect sense. Like I said, they've renewed it every year ever since I say every years just once In you doing the second year
0: what what about a break clause then is is that something you can do especially with like longer term like two three years yeah what?
1: yeah again and um this is these little nuances i'm not going to say they're not important guys they're super important but um they're little fixations that for, for me i was really fixated on these little things because because you feel like you're taking up such such a massive risk yeah, and and it is a big deal it is a big deal you need to have a Uh, a break clause in place but you need to think about who the break clause is for from what side so i.e. whether can they action and execute the break clause or whether can you or if both of you can you need to determine at what point so on three-year contracts it wouldn't be uh, extraordinary to have a break clause at either six or twelve months Um, and that's you know, for me, I wanted to have a break clause in, in place because I wanted to be able to execute that in case my first risk of entering my first contract... I'm, I'm only really relating to my first contract. Um, at that point in time, I was really worried and fixated on these things and I didn't have the confidence, so I really wanted a break clause in place. Now, any contract we enter, I have an open discussion and I'm able to determine whether the landlord or the agent wants an ongoing tenancy, which they more often than not absolutely do um so for me not to make it sound like we don't care um but but the break the the uh the break clause is almost obsolete because i have no intention of executing it i'm very confident with the contract that we're entering that i won't ex- execute it um and i'm also confident that if we do what we could say we're going to do i look after the property pay and pay the rent they won't execute you to either so I, I feel nowadays it's more obsolete but um i appreciate that it's uh, definitely a going concern when you're first starting out so i hope that provides a bit clarity yeah.
0: very helpful so within your contract like you and we were talking about this the other day because i was talking to an estate agent and i came back and said look I'm trying to pitch it to them to look for some properties for us and keep us in mind. So who's responsible for what in these kind of deals?
1: Yeah, from a maintenance perspective? Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. So I guess if you're a normal letting agent, um, not a letting agent, if you're letting a property, then you're responsible for uh, just keeping the house tidy aren't you, not trashing it, smashing doors. So if you're taking on um, a long-term lease and you're going to sublet, yeah, what are they responsible? Because you're a landlord now, they're a landlord, and you're a landlord. So, what's your responsibility? Yeah.
1: So, it's not subletting, definitely not subletting. But you are, or you, I say you are. It's 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 entirely up to you. But one thing I would stress, and again, is quite typical and standard, is that as an operator, um, depending on your contract, you are liable for soft maintenance. Is a is a phrase that is like. To be termed, some people I've known that they literally phrase that as anything up to £100. Um, I prefer to flip it on its head and let the landlord know what they are responsible for instead of the other way around because there's all, all sorts of unforeseen maintenance issues that crop up. But uh, in our contracts, the the landlord is responsible for the structural integrity of the property, including the exterior, um, including gutterings, drainage, etc. And they're also responsible for the supply and um, maintenance of the ability or the enabling of uh, electricity, water, um, and gas—a uh, constant supply, sufficient, safe supply—to the property. Um, so, anything that is wrong with those, in, with any of those, um, would would be quite substantial. Um and therefore the landlord needs to ensure that they're they're set up and correct from the get go. Never have they never have any of those issues gone wrong for us. But if they did do, it'd be up to the landlord to to repair. And therefore, the most but I would say ninety nine percent of issues that go wrong within a property we've we've covered. Um and most things are like little fault codes with the boiler, little leaks depending on the spec and type of property and the age, obviously. Um, but you're expected to cover most things like that, typically. And that's how it works for us. And one thing to really be noteful and mindful of guys is perhaps a little tip is if you do feel that your landlord is responsible for a a given maintenance issue, they will not be inclined to resolve it as speedy as you, which is a real problem if you've got guests either in place or coming so i've often found that in instances where i might be able to challenge quote unquote challenge or offset to the landlord uh it's easier or or the agent to then discuss with the landlord i'm more inclined to just sort it myself foot the bill because we've got yes and a service to provide um so that's one thing to be mindful of for sure
0: cool. so do you want to i said the wrong word then Hello, sorry i am i am new i'm a newbie now so, can you provide some clarity on on the subletting?
1: Yeah, so it is. It's a real hard one and weird one to, I guess, get your head around for most people because the first time you talk about rent to rent or however you phrase it, um, they will just the first the first thing they say is, "Isn't that subletting?" And it's subletting in the phrase in 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 it's subletting as people know it, but I think subletting in its own right has this negative connotation of right you're subletting without landlord's consent um so technically it's subletting in in the sense that you are renting it out and then letting it out under that contract so it is a sublet but it's completely legal above board everyone knows so in that aspect it doesn't have the negative connotation of people thinking some shady operation is 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 happening um so it's not subletting in that regard and it is simple but also confusing <laughs> to get your head round um to explain but it, i mean it it is and it isn't <laughs> you know most people's interpretation of subletting is the fact that it's illegal and and, and below board I definitely.
0: <laughs> okay final question then um so deposits do you need one? Do you have to have one? Do you always have one? Oh, yeah.
1: Good questions. With it, it depends on the deal. And the beauty of deals is you can structure it and negotiate it however you want. Some people are really, 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 really fixated on having no deposits. And their argument is because, again, depends on the deal. But if you're looking to refurb or spend a lot of money or even a bit of money on a rent-to-rent deal, um your deposit will cover an asset that you've already put money and invested in so people will be really fixated on negotiating a no deposit deal because typically sources the way they sell it on is less capital needed to enter that deal right um for me just understanding where the landlord's at i am not fixated on negotiating a no deposit deal because um, right now we have the luxury of being able to foot that capital of one month's rent, whatever it might be, you know, 1200 Uh Number two, I don't intend on not getting that deposit back because we are um, legit operators and we genuinely intend to look after the property, which we will do. And number three, being a landlord ourselves, I understand that that security um, for the landlord is probably worth more than what the deposit is is worth anyway. So, I have no problem with paying deposits. We have had instances where we haven't paid deposits, which is great, cool. Um, but I don't bend my, yeah, you know, I don't bend my back to try and negotiate a no, a no deposit deal. Um, but they're certainly out there, and people are certainly fixated on it. Um, you know, and where you stand with that is is up to you. But for the reasons that I've just listed, it's not something that we are either here nor there on at this moment in time. Um. I personally see why they would be valuable to the landlord.
0: Cool. Anything else amiss, do you think? Or anything else you'd like to talk about or say? Or...
1: Don't think so. Nice. a
0: good little wrap-up yeah. of what to look for and what to well, yeah. think about. Of course. consider
1: people. Valuable to you?
0: Very valuable. I'll ta- I'll re-listen to this and I'll take notes.
1: <laughs> well, I do have a Yeah. It definitely is. is
0: me but anything else we're we're all done well enjoy the rest of your week everyone thanks for tuning in as always give us a like give us a follow if you can break the show we'd absolutely love it um give us a little five star tip um and thanks for your support as always
1: yep guys please 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 do give us a little five star rating we really appreciate it we have just hit double digits 10 five star ratings but if you can do, like, I don't know. We really appreciate it, man. This is a big deal for us. So I hope it's valuable. Let us know. Let us know anything you want. Keep the questions coming. And enjoy your week, guys. Bye. Bye.